This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, the coldest case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Tonight, the escape from Mariupol after two months without sunlight. The elderly women, mothers, and small children making the journey to safety. But what about those still trapped in a bombed-out steel plant? Civilians crawling through the rubble, but constant shelling stops the evacuation. The tears of joy for those able to get out. Plus, what this village near the Ukrainian capital is doing to stop Russians from advancing. They effectively saved their village and they saved the capital, Kyiv, just further on in that direction. Paths of destruction. Look at this from the devastating EF3 tornado. Tonight, the threat isn't over. We're tracking the severe weather. Higher COVID risk level. Tonight, the news from New York City as the rate of cases picks up. What does it mean for you? Alabama jailbreak. Tonight, an accused murderer on the run. Why officials believe a female corrections officer may have helped him. The biggest wildfire in America. The worst drought conditions in two decades forces hundreds to evacuate. We're following the fast-moving developments. Remembering Naomi Judd. Love can build the news that stunned the country music world ahead of the star's induction into the Hall of Fame. And honoring that special woman in our lives ahead of Mother's Day. We kick off our new series on The Modern Mom. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us as we start a new week together. We begin tonight with the race to escape Mariupol, the city reduced to rubble. And tonight, after spending more than two months underground, at least 100 civilians were able to get out from the besieged steel plant in Ukraine's port town. But there are more still trapped after the Red Cross and United Nations called off evacuation today because of constant Russian shelling. And it comes as the highest ranking U.S. official. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi made a surprise visit to Kiev. Today, Pelosi and a delegation of Democratic lawmakers met with the Polish president in Warsaw after a secret trip to meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kyiv. And we're learning more tonight about what U.S. officials believe is Russia's plan for Putin's war. The Kremlin is planning to annex the two eastern regions of Ukraine after failing to capture the capital and overthrow the government. We have a lot of news to get to tonight, and CBS's Chris Livesay will start us off from Kyiv. Good evening, Chris. Good evening, Nora. Pelosi's visit to the region comes as President Biden is requesting $33 billion in funding for Ukraine. That's money for defense, economic, and humanitarian aid, and no city needs it more than Mariupol. After two months of hell on earth, the ineffable relief of escape. In a major breakthrough for the UN and the International Committee of the Red Cross, Women, children, and the elderly are among the first to leave the darkness of the Mariupol steel mill. We won't have to go to the bathroom with a flashlight anymore, says Natalia. They were bombing the whole time, Olga sobs. Bombing that continues across Ukraine, a country under siege by land and a blockade by sea. In the coastal city of Odessa, a child was killed in a Russian missile strike on a residential building, according to emergency officials. Combined with Russian attacks on key infrastructure, the country is now struggling to find enough food and fuel, with vehicles lining up at the pump for miles. But Ukraine is not without its victories. A drone strike taking out two Russian patrol boats on the Black Sea. Throughout the war, Ukraine has creatively defended its territory, not afraid to blow up its own bridges, roads, anything to slow down the Russians. Just outside Kyiv, that meant breaching this dam at great cost to the nearby town of Demidyev. The water completely destroying this part of town, destroying possessions, destroying homes, but... We're told they were happy to do it because if they didn't, the Russians were going to destroy it for them. They effectively saved their village and they saved the capital, Kyiv, just further on in that direction. Vladimir, a local villager, rose us through the aftermath. So the Russian soldiers were here. And Russian shells, Maria warns us, in her vegetable garden, invisible beneath the murky water. The same shelling rocked her neighbor Valentina's house as her family of six hid inside the basement while it slowly filled with water. We had to climb out, she said, but at the same time, the Russians had to retreat. This water saved us. And with that Russian retreat from Kyiv, the U.S. today officially resumed diplomatic operations in Ukraine, albeit in the western city of Lviv. However, the acting ambassador said the embassy may return here to the capital by the end of this month. Nora? That's some news. Chris Livesay, thank you. 
Well, tonight, residents in south-central Kansas are still digging through debris following Friday's EF3 tornado that carved a path of destruction nearly 13 miles long. Just take a look at this as a funnel cloud destroys everything in its path over the city of Andover. More than 1,000 buildings were damaged just south of Kansas. Three University of Oklahoma college students chasing the tornado were killed in a car crash because of slick roads. The same area from Kansas to Oklahoma is bracing for more severe weather tonight. For the forecast, let's bring in meteorologist Mike Bettis from our partners at the Weather Channel. Good evening, Mike. Yeah, good evening, Nora. Indeed, another stretch of very active weather ahead. This is a virtual view of Kansas City, Missouri, anticipating some really heavy rain, some potential ponding on the streets and in neighborhoods, and yes, a potential for some severe storms as well. Let's show you the future radar. You can see those storms ripping through the middle of the country through the evening and overnight. Many of the storms push their way eastbound through the day on Tuesday. That includes the Ohio Valley. Targets will be Louisville, Cincinnati, Columbus, and over towards Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, then right back to the Plains once again come Wednesday with a target in Oklahoma City where tornadoes could erupt once again, but as far north as Wichita, as far south as Abilene, and yes, it is May. May historically the most active months for severe weather and tornadoes, Nora, so this should come as no surprise. That's a good point. Mike Bettis, thank you. Let's turn now to Alabama and a story that sounds like the plot from a movie of the week. The FBI, FBI rather, has now joined the manhunt for an escaped prison inmate and a corrections officer who they say helped him with the jailbreak. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. Tonight, an Alabama sheriff searching for an escaped capital murder suspect says one of his own corrections officers, Vicki White, was in on it. We have had a warrant issued for Director Vicki White. The charges are permitting or facilitating an escape in the first degree. White claims she was driving inmate Casey White, no relation, from the jail to a courthouse mental health evaluation on Friday, then going to a medical appointment herself. The sheriff now says neither statement was true. And taking a prisoner without a second deputy was a violation of policy. Her patrol car was found in a shopping center parking lot later that day. The patrol car left the detention center and went straight to the parking lot. There was not enough time for them to even attempt to try to come to the courthouse. This is Casey White last week inside the jail where he was being held on charges of capital murder, six foot nine and 260 pounds. He was put into the patrol car, handcuffed and shackled. We've gotten some, uh, a couple of tips on, on a possible vehicle. We're still pursuing that, trying to get a, a positive uh, confirmation on a, on a possible vehicle they switched into. 56-year-old Vicki White has been with the department almost 17 years, several times named Employee of the Year. The widow, who had no children, submitted retirement papers Thursday. Friday was to be her last day. She did sell her home about a month ago and uh, talked about going to the beach. Everybody thought she was going to retire. You know, nobody saw this coming. Vicki White's mom says her daughter never mentioned Casey White, who's only been in that jail since the end of February. Authorities are now reviewing videos from inside to determine the nature of the relationship. Nora. Quite a story. Janet Chamlian, thank you. Well, tonight, the COVID risk level in New York City has been raised from low to medium as the rate of cases picks up. The new designation means New Yorkers need to be more cautious. Health officials advise wearing a mask in public indoor settings where vaccine status is not known. And this update tonight on Vice President Kamala Harris. Nearly a week after testing positive, she's COVID-free and returning to the White House tomorrow. 
Back here in Washington, a federal jury convicted a New York City police veteran of assaulting an officer during the January 6th attack on the Capitol. 56-year-old Thomas Webster was the first Capitol riot defendant to be tried on an assault charge and the first to present a jury with a self-defense argument. He was found guilty of all six counts and faces up to 20 years in prison. He will be sentenced in September. Let's turn now to the election trail because the first major contest of the 2022 midterms is underway in Ohio, with Republican voters picking their nominees for governor and the U.S. Senate. As CBS's Robert Costa reports, it's also a major test of Donald Trump's continued influence over the party. Former President Trump is dominating the Senate primary here in Ohio, and contenders spent weeks fighting for his support. His name uttered constantly. Donald Trump. President Trump. President Trump. J.D. Vance, a well-known author and political novice, won the Trump endorsement battle last month and has since become the frontrunner. Vance was a never-Trumper in 2016, but now tells voters he was wrong. The former president you know has been forgiving. You know He's a guy that said some bad about me. But you know what? Every one of the others did also. Vance told us he's confident he can shake off any suspicions from Trump voters and spent the weekend campaigning with staunch Trump allies Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Is the Trump endorsement enough to put you over the top? I think it is. The president's support is hugely helpful because it signals which side he's on. Primary voters here say they are mostly concerned with the economy. Everybody's paying more for everything. Inflation is real bad right now. And many say Trump's backing will help Vance, who along with most other top candidates have falsely argued the 2020 election was rigged. Once Donald Trump gave him this endorsement, I think, you know, they're going to look by it. Trump's hold on the GOP is unprecedented, but it will be tested in primaries across the country this month. We've endorsed Dr. Oz. In Pennsylvania, Trump is backing celebrity Dr. Mehmet Oz for Senate, and he's also endorsed several controversial candidates, including Herschel Walker in Georgia, previously accused of domestic violence, and Charles Herbster for governor in Nebraska, accused by multiple women of sexual assault. Trump campaigned for him Sunday night. I defend people when I know they're good. One candidate who might benefit from the fight on the Trump side here in Ohio in tomorrow's primary is State Senator Matt Dolan, one of the owners of the Cleveland Guardians baseball team. He has been running as a traditional Republican and a Trump critic, and he has been gaining in the polls. Nora. Be interesting to watch. Robert Costa with all that news. Thank you. Let's turn now to some breaking news in the century-long fight for justice for the last known survivors of the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre. A judge has ruled they can make their case to hold the city accountable. CBS's Omar Villafranca has the late developing details. The last three survivors entered court for what could be a last effort to force the city of Tulsa to pay reparations for a 1921 massacre that killed an estimated 300 black residents. We know what happened 100 years ago, and it is time for the city of Tulsa to do what's right and stand on the right side of history. The survivors, Viola Fletcher, Lessie Benningfield Randall, and Hughes Van Ellis, are all more than 100 years old. They were small children living in the Greenwood section of town known as Black Wall Street, a thriving black community in the middle of the Jim Crow era. 
1921, a young black man was accused of assaulting a white teenage girl. A white mob, including members of the Tulsa Sheriff's Department, torched roughly 35 blocks of homes and businesses, nearly wiping out the city's black residents. The night of the massacre, I was awakened by my family. Now 107, Viola Fletcher saw her community torn apart by that white mob. Well, I think about it every day. I think it'll, it'll be something I'll never forget. No one was ever held accountable for what happened that day. And the lawsuit alleges that the defendant's exploitation of death, destruction, and disparities they created have resulted in their unjust enrichment at the expense of these communities. The city is arguing it should not be forced to pay anything because today's residents had nothing to do with what happened more than a century ago. Just minutes ago, the judge partially ruled for the plaintiffs. A trial will take place. That means the three remaining survivors will get a chance to make their case against the city of Tulsa for reparations. No trial date has been set. Nora? As it's been said, the arc of history bends towards justice. Omar Villafranca, thank you. Well, tonight, tributes are pouring in for country music legend Naomi Judd, who died unexpectedly over the weekend. She was 76. Her death is shining light on the disease of mental illness, a battle Judd, her, Judd herself was very public about. Here's CBS's Jim Axelrod. Love can no one would have been surprised the Judds were being inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame last night. After all, between 1984 and 1991, Naomi Judd and her daughter Winona had 14 number one hits. This is the first time I've talked since saying goodbye. No, what stunned the music world was Naomi's death the day before the induction. I didn't prepare anything tonight because I knew mom would probably talk the most. The Judd family, in carefully chosen words, said Naomi Judd died at the age of 76 from, quote, the disease of mental illness. Her 2016 memoir, River of Time, detailed her struggle with depression. Her daughter, actress Ashley Judd, last night. My mama loved you so much, and she appreciated your love for her. And I'm sorry that she couldn't hang on until today. Less than a month ago, Naomi and Winona Judd shared a stage at the CMT Awards. Tonight, taking in their last performance together, it is Winona's words that speak for so many. And it's a very strange dynamic to be this broken and this blessed. Blessed to have shared the music of Naomi Judd, broken at the thought there will be no more. Love. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, New York. I know almost all those songs by heart. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
The worst drought conditions in two decades is fueling wildfires across the southwest. In New Mexico, the biggest wildfire in the country has scorched more than 120,000 acres. The fire burning in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains have forced hundreds of residents to evacuate near the town of Las Vegas, New Mexico. The fire is just 30% contained. All right, tonight a fired Philadelphia police officer is charged with murder in the fatal shooting of a 12-year-old boy. Police say former officer Edsel Mendoza shot Thomas T.J. Sedario in the back after the boy had thrown away his gun and was on the ground no longer armed. Well, investigators say moments earlier the boy had fired through the window of an unmarked police car. All this week we're honoring moms, that unstoppable woman in your life whose superpower is love. Becoming a new parent can be a scary time for anyone, but imagine what it was like giving birth during the height of the pandemic. We caught up with a new mom who found that a, the second time around was not only easier, it was a healing experience. CBS's Adriana Diaz kicks off our new series, The Modern Mom. Hi, Mickey. How are you? When twins Mitchell and Maxim were born at three and four pounds, the world was in the throes of a new pandemic. These kids really came into this world against all odds, I feel. It was April 2020. Jen Laubach went into labor early, sick with COVID. Dad Andre couldn't be there. He had COVID too. They couldn't see the boys in person for three weeks, relying on FaceTime at Beaumont Hospital in Troy, Michigan. I'll never get that time back. And that's hard for me as a mom because those first few weeks and days are so important with your child. Hi. These are the twins Hi. two years later. And now <laughs> they have company. Baby sister Liv was just born. No COVID, no complications. I've bonded with her so much already. And I didn't get that with the boys. Has this experience helped heal those wounds? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, Andre was able to be there. I wasn't isolated and alone. When she was born, they placed her right on my chest. And do you have a little sister now? Yeah. What's her name? Baby. Baby. <laughs> Jen's first Mother's Day was in the NICU. This next one, in a home full of laughter. Despite how hard it was for us, and we're healthy and we're strong now, and you know, we have a happy ending. Adriana Diaz, CBS News. Tomorrow, she was pregnant and 16 and told she would never amount to anything. We'll meet the supermom who proved all her doubters wrong. And that's tonight's CBS Evening News. Good night. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home... Yes, cool. ...or attending one live... You can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H 2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. 
two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.